Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So I just had a really open and raw discussion with the incredible Amy Liu of Tower 28 Beauty. And we discussed a bit more about the brand's hashtag, it's okay to be sensitive. You do not want to miss this one. Hi everyone and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, the CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far. And I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder, keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders from around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to inspire and hopefully help each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is going to be perfect for you. So without further ado, it's an absolute delight to invite you to listen to our guest for today, the wonderful Amy Liu. Amy is the founder and CEO of Tower 28 Beauty. After dealing with her own sensitive skin journey throughout her incredible career working for some of the biggest beauty brands of the industry, Amy set out to create one-of-a-kind makeup products that people with sensitive skin would feel good about using. In less than just two years of launching, Tower 28 has truly become the go-to makeup brand known for its clean formulas, colourful packaging and desirability, also proving to be... Hashtag, it's okay to be sensitive. Amy, thank you so much for being on here today. It's truly a pleasure. Thank you so much, Akash. Love being here. So, I mean, I just want to get straight to it because there's so much to talk about. Um, But the first one I asked all my guests is just tell us a little bit more about Amy Liu and your journey to date. So like you mentioned, Akash, I worked for a long time in the beauty industry. I was the head of marketing for both Josie Marin Cosmetics and Kate Somerville. And that coincided with a time when I was really starting to um, get more interested in clean beauty. So essentially, I've had eczema my entire adult life. When I started having kids, though, was really the first time that I started really paying attention to what was going on my skin and into my bloodstream and what I was eating and everything. And Josie Marin was very early in the clean beauty um, space. And so one of the things that really got to me was feeling like, if that is true, and what you're putting on your skin goes in your bloodstream, then if your skin is open like mine is because my skin barrier was so compromised, then I really felt like it was even more important. So I actually did make an effort to go and start buying clean beauty products because I wanted my skin 
to be better and I didn't want to harm it. And I think one thing about um, if you have skin that is troubled, one thing you're you're really worried about is, yes, you want to solve it. You want it to go away. But the other thing is you just don't want to make it any worse. And you want to be able to cover it up. So specifically, I was looking for makeup solutions that would do that. Um, And I went to go try products that were clean at the time. And a lot of them I found were even more sensitizing for my skin because a lot of clean beauty products have things like essential oils and plant botanicals in them that can be very sensitizing. And then I went to go try products that were safe for sensitive skin or marketed that way. And a lot of them just one, one, it doesn't mean that they are clean. It's actually pretty hard to find products that are both clean and safe for sensitive skin. But second, a lot of them left me feeling like I was a patient, if you will, because of the way that it was marketed, whether it was, um, you know, you see like first aid things on them and all that. There's a, I think for some people that, makes a lot of sense because for some people having, whether it's you're having acne or you're having a sensitivity or whatever it is, it's a moment in time and they kind of reach for something and use it. And then they go back to their regular routine. But for me, eczema was this chronic situation of mine and I literally had tried everything. So when I tell you, I I mean, I went to every kind of a doctor. I went for years without wearing um, shorts or skirts or dresses, which I live on the west side of Los Angeles near the beach. It's awkward sometimes when when you're just wearing pants all the time or long, long skirts. So it really was something that plagued me for a really long time. And I, my eczema would come up on my face and on my hands. And I think as somebody who was working in the beauty industry, I really felt self-conscious about that because I was in the business of selling aspiration. So really that was the genesis for Tower 28 because it was I was looking for products that were not only um, safe for sensitive skin and uh, non-irritating, but also clean and non-toxic. And in addition to that, I just felt like a lot of it was really expensive. Um, A lot of people asked me like why I didn't go into skincare specifically. And I really felt like there was a lot of skincare out there. What I felt like was missing for me was I wanted to be able to wear makeup. I wanted to be able to, you know, cover up something that was going on on or like bring attention to my face in a different way and have it be fun and playful. And so that's really what inspired me to start Tower 28. Absolutely. It's so inspiring because A, you've not only built the product for you yourself as a consumer and seeing a gap in the market for clean, conscious um, makeup, which to be honest today, there isn't much, there isn't many, you know, makeup brands I can name that are not only, you know, formulated to be good for sensitive skin, but also vegan, cruelty-free, all those good stuff. And I think you're right. A lot of people who have similar skin um, concerns and eczema, they go straight into creating skincare brands. And I love the fact that you've actually really found the gap in the market. And I myself, just to be honest, have had my own skincare journey with eczema, the battle of eczema since I was a child. You know, I used to be wearing um, the sweatbands around my my elbows and anywhere, you know, prone to sweat, it would be yeah. where I would get eczema flare-ups. And I think, as you know, you know, it's not just skincare, it's other things, what you're eating, it's for makeup sure. you're putting on, for example. So it's a, and it's a long-term journey or battle, sometimes people say, with eczema. So I love the fact that you've just made it so much more accessible to everyone who's got these issues, but also in price point too. So yeah. love everything about Tower 28. I actually have some of the products here myself, <laughs> which I use, the SuperZoo. And uh, honestly, like the formula. But one thing I want to go kind of, normally I, I kind of go a bit into your journey, but we're going to reverse it this time. Okay. I think I want to first start with a bit about 
the products in Tower yeah. 28, and then we'll go back in time. Okay. So looking at this packaging, it's absolutely incredible. And as someone who's built brands, I know all about, you know, margins and stuff. What I feel you've done is you've put the consumers first, price of the, you know, the goods first, and then thought about everything second. I love that because you could have added another $10 to each product SKU, you know, and made more margin, but you haven't. And I know these, these components are, are expensive. You know, what you've done, you've, you have, you know, all the colors, packaging, everything. Why have you decided to, in a really nice way, like, you know, lose profit and go for giving value? It's, it's amazing, but not easy to do. Oh, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, one stat that I'm really proud of in the last two years is that Sephora told us recently that we, um, we have actually been able to sell to 1% of world, which means 1% of all Sephora customers have bought our product, which is a feat that not, not that many brands do so early on. And, and a lot of that is basically based on, um, no. it's a credit to the price point in a lot of ways, because it does make it easier to access, but it makes me really proud because that was really one of the things I set out to accomplish. I really thought about the conversation around makeup, I think is very similar to the conversation around food, where why is it only wealthy people get to have products that are, you know, at Whole Foods or Erewhon or whatever it is. And I felt like the same was true in beauty. Like there's no reason why we aren't able to um, bring the price point down a little bit to your point, but also I feel like it is a, it's the, it's the long game for me. Right. So I am hoping to get volume. And so that way the margin isn't so much of an issue, but I will say it's very kind of you to say that our, our packaging and our components look expensive, but frankly, where we really spend our money is in the fill. So all of our products are made in the United States. Um, all of the fill, I mean, if you look at my background in prestige, so I worked at Smashbox, I worked at Kate Somerville, I worked at Josie. Frankly, I only know how to make products that are at a prestige level, but I'm trying to do a mastige price point. So where we're trying to save money actually is in the packaging in the sense that I'm not tooling. I'm not doing like I look at Rihanna and Fenty and I'm like, oh, she, that's so great that she gets to own the hexagon. Right. That's not something I get to do. But we um, yeah. we're trying we have a different goal. And so I think that's really part of it. And I'm so glad you brought that up because that really is intentional on my behalf because I want more people to be able to try the products. Tower 28 is actually named after a real lifeguard tower in Santa Monica at the intersection of Santa Monica and Venice. And part of the reason for that was because I, I look at the beach as this place where everybody gets to enjoy like healthy, fun lifestyle. Right. And that was really the the metaphor that I was going after that in combination with the fact that as an Asian American, so my parents immigrated from Taiwan I grew up in, I was born in Minnesota. I grew up in Los Angeles, but inland Los Angeles at a time when beach culture was really popular, even though I didn't live close to the beach. And I just didn't see myself in any of that imagery. And I really felt like I wanted to show the diversity of the beach that I see as somebody who now lives in Los Angeles near the beach. So that was, that was part of it too. I love it. Now I was actually about to ask about the name, but now it will make sense. And I, I didn't actually realize that uh, I need to, is it some, is it whereabouts is it in Los Angeles? It's at the intersection of Santa Monica and Venice. And I don't know, Akash, have you been to Santa Monica? And yeah, Venice? I love Santa Monica. I, I mean, the pier, I love it all. I used to actually, back in the day when Pokemon Go was a thing, I would be on the Santa Monica pier when I was in America and play with Pokemon. Oh my- <laughs> It's a very awkward admission, admitting. But yeah. 
<laughs> I love it. Very relatable. Um, I mean, Santa Monica and Venice are super different areas, even though they border each other, right? So in Santa Monica, you see a lot of families, a lot of tourists. It's just different, right? It's a very different kind of a vibe than it, literally as soon as you cross into Venice, yeah. you can smell the weed in the air. There's like all these tattoo shops. There's, I mean, it is a real different place. And Tower 28 literally sits at the intersection of these two areas. And at that point, you literally see every kind of person. And I don't just mean um, racial diversity, but I mean socioeconomic. I mean, um, even archetypes, like just like crazy loud music over here. And then somebody else who's got like crab shorts on, right? Like it's just, it's a whole different kind of a ball game. Um, but, so know, the I funny love, story um, about naming Tower 28 <laughs> No, sorry, oh, ahead, I was going to say, you asked about the name of Tower 28, and I, I think this is just something that maybe will resonate with you, too. It's really hard to name things nowadays, right? Yes. Like, if you want to have the handle, if you want to be able to trademark it, if you want the website. And so I actually had a completely different name before, and I couldn't get the trademark for it. And I was racking my brain, racking my brain, and a friend of mine sent me a text that said, Hey, we're going to the beach. Meet me at Tower 28. And I was like, wait a minute. Maybe that's what it is. So it is this, to me, it's an idea of, it is truly a symbol of community for me because it's where I've gone with my friends to meet at the beach and live this healthy lifestyle. Um, and it's just, a, it's a home for me. I, and I love that. And and actually the best thing that's what I want to say earlier is the best thing is because when, you know, we're doing this virtually, I can like kind of Google at the same time as speaking to you. So I Google Tower 28. Number one, you've got the best SEO because all the images are your products, not of the Santa Monica the thing, but which is good, 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 good job for you guys. But actually I realize I've actually been there. I just, you know, I didn't notice it. I've actually taken a photo of the, the hut, yeah. uh, the lifeguard tower in Tower 28. So this is so crazy that um, yeah. I love that. But you're absolutely right. People don't really understand that it can take weeks, months, even a year sometimes to come up with a name because everything's been trademarked or everything's been taken or everything sounds like something in a class three, you know, when you, when you file. So um, it's actually one of the hardest things mm -hmm. is to come up with the name and something that connects with you, but also is catchy. It's so difficult. Yeah. And since you are doing this for other entrepreneurs, I would say make sure you lock all those things up because it can be very difficult. If you move forward with branding, you move forward and you invest so much in, in it. And then all of a sudden you find out yeah. that you can't. No, it, it can be a hard cost initially to digest, but if you can get it in as many markets as possible, and even little, another big tip I would tell everyone to do right yeah. now is get all your domains, not just your .com, but get your .de or yeah. .co.uk if you can. Some of them might be very cheap even right now before someone else does. And then later on, we'll have more GDPR oh. issues. We might have to have separate localized sites. So my biggest advice is get all your domains and obviously all the social handles, TikTok, Clubhouse, wherever you can, just get them. Yeah. But I love yeah. Tower 28, love the concept. I also love, is the W reminiscent of the wave or what's the W? Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, the W is supposed to be reminiscent of a wave. I so that's love exactly right. it. No, honestly, beautiful packaging. And I kind of want to touch a bit about the hashtag because you put on your packaging and also, you know, on your website, it's okay to be sensitive, which of course is a nod to the fact that the formulas are clean, and safe to use for sensitive skin. But is there also a deeper meaning there? A hundred percent. I think it's meant to be um, a double entendre, obviously the sensitive skin side of it. But um, I, as a person, am fairly sensitive and I just have a lot of 
empathy around mental health awareness. And it's, it's really meant to be something that we can all relate to. I think, especially in this last year, there has been so much hardship for people in general, but to have some, a statement like that to me just is something that we can kind of all really resonate with and come together around. And I, I want people to know that it is okay to be sensitive. And I love the fact that, to be honest, as a brand founder, we always, the first thing we think about is how can we get the brand name in the hashtag or the main hashtag? And I love the fact that you didn't go down that route. You've actually gone through just a very universal kind of um, very open hashtag as a brand hashtag, which also resonates to the whole fact that you wanted to be as accessible. You've got that 1%. You know, that's the whole point of Tower 28 is, is to make it for everyone. And I love that. I love that so much. So. I mean, I think the other thing for me was I felt really self-conscious about the fact that I had sensitive skin. So whether it was from a dietary perspective, I've tried to, at different points, take out dairy, take out shellfish, take out nuts. Um, and I think every time you do something like that, you feel a little like you're like in a social situation, right? You feel like you're imposing on other people or you're being really finicky. And so there is a part of it that is like a literal, I feel like it's okay to be sensitive. We all have so many things going on now that I, I'm just trying to normalize that. No, I love it. I mean, I think we're pretty much very similar people. Like I've had my, I have had a lot of dietary things with like being, being vegan and being kind of, and I'm also very sensitive as a person. Yeah. Got that from my mom. My sister is the opposite. So as business partners, it's quite interesting because she's like very thick skin, independent. I'm like, I need love and attention. I need to talk to me. <laughs> so it's kind of a very interesting to see that balance. Um, so I, that's why I think other. I really resonate with the whole story. Exactly. It is, it is good. Um, so, you know, now you are currently available in quite a few retailers, which, you know, within two years, it's, it's a lot of brands struggle to even launch their D2C successfully after. Yeah. So, you know, uh, what was that journey like? Uh, so you're right now at Sephora. I think you're at Revolve. Where, where else are you at? And... We're at Sephora, Credo, Revolve, and we're actually launching in the UK at Cult Beauty in June. Very exciting. Yeah, well, we're actually as well soon, hopefully, too. So Oh, we should, we should do something. Um, but I mean, to, to answer your question, I think for us, because coming into this, I don't have any um, a platform of influence. So I don't own, you know, I'm not an influencer on Instagram. I don't have a YouTube channel. I'm not a celebrity in any way, shape or form. And so in order for us as a company to really get scale or to get awareness, it was really, and it is really important for us to find partners, whether that means other brands, retail partners, et cetera, because that wasn't part of my own DNA. So very early on, I mean, we launched on our website in April and we were in Sephora by September. So as much as I agree that it is really important to build your own D2C presence, it for us, it would be very difficult to do that without the the amplification and the megaphone that a Sephora brings. No, I fully agree. And I think only when you, you know, Sephora is a dream retailer and partner, but once you actually launch there, mm -hmm. you really do see the impact it does. It's sort of like that clean at Sephora, that symbol of just being in their retail presence really does help you grow internationally and locally really much more quicker than you would on your own. So if anyone's looking at launching a beauty brand, you know, definitely, whether it's an Ulta or a Sephora, you know, really yeah. do not get scared about, um, yes, it's demanding. Yes, they can ask for a lot of samples and, you know, you need to be on time with things and, product. you know, it is a bit of a feat, but 
it's the best kickstart to your business to make sure you're launching from day one in a very for strong sure. way, which I think is the goal for most businesses. I haven't really worked with other retailers other than, I mean, Sephora has, in my experience, been the retailer I know the best. I've also worked with QVC and Nordstrom, but really Sephora is the one I know the best. And I would just say for your for your listeners that it is important to really come to the table in partnership, but that they will help you. They will lead you. And they're used to seeing brands that are, are small and growing them. And so it is not something you should be afraid of. I think fear is something that has probably been my number one obstacle for me to get around. And on that side of things, I would say, just make sure that you go into it with confidence because I think you can, you can certainly partner with them. And remember that, you know, everyone, any brand founder, anyone creating a brand is always fearful, even every day as you build it, because there's always risks involved, but then there's also the biggest joy. So I think a lot of people always ask me, when will I be ready? Or I think I'm not ready yet. And it's sort of like, to be honest, you will always feel never ready. You just have to start and start confidently, as you said, and then you will become better. I mean, people say to me sometimes, uh, this all happened so quickly and overnight success. And I'm like, I worked in the beauty industry for a really, really long time. And before that, I went to business school with a concentration in entrepreneurship. I've wanted to do this for a very long time. And I kept telling myself I was learning on someone else's time, which I was. But honestly, I don't think I would have really kickstarted things if I hadn't had basically a friend of mine from business school was like, you're not getting any younger. He just had like a tough love talk with me. And he was like, either you're going to do it or frankly, you're not. And um, that was really the thing that really moved me to to actually start. But just to speak to what you were saying, fear is really debilitating and you just do have to start because likely the idea changes anyway. I know I, I agree because I, when I, I worked at Estee Lauder companies like yourself with Smashbox and I yeah. worked at, at Dior and, you know, one of my CEOs at the time was um, telling me, you know, they're thinking about one day creating a company and you know, they've had 50 years experience and their nervousness and that like, he, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't ready as well. And I was like, well, I'm in the same boat as you. Like I'm not ready too. And we both have the same so even if I spend another 50 years or in the company, I'll still be saying the same thing, you know, experience helps you for sure, but nothing is as different as just doing it. You know, I think the number one surprise I have had is that despite the fact that I've worn, I've worked in small companies, I've worn lots of different hats. I went to business school. I felt like I had visibility in a macro way. I'm still shocked by how much I didn't know. <laughs> oh my God. And, and how much you learn by making mistakes. And that's a, the thing to normalize. It's really just like the mistakes are opportunities to learn. And um, what has been some of your like open, if I may say so, like issues you've had and mistakes to have to normalize them? Because I feel people don't talk about them enough. They, people talk a lot about the successes, but it's, I want people to know that we have had, you know, you look at Tower 28, it looks incredible, but there has been struggles along the way in the last two years. Years. And when I look back on my career, I won't even say Tower 28, I think the mistakes, um, I don't typically, I don't regret mistakes because to your point, I think they are learning opportunities. But I will say that I, I think anything that I look back on my career that I feel any regret around is really always related to people. And so um, whether it was, you know, not standing, I have a friend that I worked with that I knew was kind of getting backstabbed, but I just didn't stand up for them at the time because it was my boss. And I, there were politics. I think politics, yeah. it's always, um, it's always around people. Those are the things that really stick with yeah. you and stay with you. And years later, you know, I've apologized for friends and 
and it wasn't, I wasn't even the one doing it, but I was a bystander and I always felt really guilty about it. All the things that I've enjoyed about my career have always been surrounding the people. Even now, it's my team that really lights me up and makes makes me excited to do this. It's the community and seeing the product reviews. And when somebody tells me, you know, their skin has changed, those are all the things that make a difference. And it really is not just the big metrics that speak to success. It's um, like sales or whatever rank. Those are important too, not to say that they're not, but the ones that propel you forward, the ones that really make you excited, I think are always around people. 100%. And I think also going to your previous experiences, whether it's good or bad with different people makes you even a better leader, a worker, employer, you know, like it just makes you a colleague way better today because you've learned from those experiences. And sometimes it's like how you don't want to be treated or how you don't want to work with people you've learned from seeing it in real life. And that's why corporate's really important because I think, my, you know, it gives you that visibility. But by the way, not to say that I have not made mistakes. I know there was what I think there was one time or there was one time where I paid some kind of a tax bill, but I misunderstood. And then I got some kind of a fine and it was hundreds of thousands of dollars because I had screwed something up and whatever, we were able to reverse it. But I literally was like crying tears <laughs> because I didn't know what happened. Honestly, uh, yeah, this is this so, is normal. I mean, like I, one day it can be good and tomorrow you wake up and it's like, what just happened? Uh, but you have to just, yeah. uh, there's always solutions to things. That's the what I've learned. You might not see it today, <laughs> but there's always a solution to something. And it might not be the best solution. And, but and any, solution. any problem that you can attach money to generally, I mean, obviously money is a scarce resource as well, but is is a problem that you can overcome fully fully agreed and it's not the end or be all which people think sometimes because there's always ways to recuperate money or make it back or, or find more totally there, there's or like get a credit or do something that's what i meant not, exactly. not to say that money is not important because cash flow is definitely important i need to hear that because last week we had this big issue with our production and stuff so i'm like this is good to know that it happens and you just have to move on so what you've said i'm gonna listen to you so thank yeah. you <laughs> So, you know, one thing I find so incredible is, you know, you, you're building this brand uh, and everything you're doing, but you're also a mom of three. Am I correct? How is that like? I mean, it's great. It's been really nice to be able to share it with them, to be honest with you. I think so. I worked full time for a long time. And then basically when my third child was born, I took time off and I started working part time and I was basically just consulting during the day. And I think my kids since I didn't talk about it that much and I didn't, it wasn't a part of their reality. They were old enough to start making comments like, Oh, this is what moms do this. And dads do this um, in a very gender specific way. And it really bothered me. It really bothered me to think that that was the stereotype that they were growing up with. And that was what I was reinforcing in, in the identity that they were seeing. And so, um, <laughs> Sorry, I Charlie, just come here. I have one right here, actually. Oh, <laughs> here. Perfect timing. She's, she's Hi, Charlie. This is, this is the reality. Hey. <laughs> okay, oh, it's amazing. It, okay? um, so that's my my baby. That's my third. But I do think um, oh. I love seeing them watch me try. I am very open about the mistakes that I've made. And I think I share a lot of it with them. And I actually feel like they're learning through the process, right? So my 12-year-old, 
he's old enough to understand things like sales and profit and that kind of a thing. So I can share a little bit more with him on a detailed basis. But I think all of them are, you know, I share with them about like, what does it mean to be a team and how do we work together and all of those types of things. So they are, they're part of the celebration, but I also try to make sure they're part of um, the learning as well. Did you have a, do you feel like, cause you know, now kids these days are just, I mean, compared to when I was 12 and five, you know, I was like, uh, I didn't know what I was doing, but now they already like have visions and plans. Do you have already feelings that they want to be mini entrepreneurs or anything? Yeah. I mean, I think kids um, and not just kids, but I think people need to like, this is back to representation matters. Right. So I think if people, when they're young, they see something, then they think it's possible. I remember when I was a kid, I thought I could either be a doctor, a lawyer, a dentist, a police, you know what I mean? Those were, it was so limited in my purview that I didn't know that working in makeup was even a real job. I didn't understand that until I was much older And so one of the things I really hope to do for my kids is I try to introduce them to, like, I love having a diversity of of people in my life and friendships. So like, we have a friend who's a DJ and I'm like, can you show them what it means to be a DJ and talk to them about it? So they may be, um, I don't know what my kids will do and I don't really, you know, anything, I don't care. But I think the one thing is just to, there's a responsibility that I feel like I have to show them the different things they can be. And I, I'm also conscious of the fact that as an Asian American, I didn't grow up seeing one women in, in boss CEO type positions. I remember being on, um, seeing Carly Fiorina on the cover of Forbes and being like, Oh my God, a woman or Meg Whitman or something like that. And now there are so many more. And then even working in the beauty industry for so long, generally speaking, it was women and then men at the top. And so I really love that. I feel like I am part of in this community of, of other founders, including yourself, showing that it doesn't have to look a certain way. Yeah. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And I think it, it's it's so important to just give opportunities to, you know, y- yourself, y- as you said, your children, because now the world is, I, I honestly truly believe the world is becoming so much more open, understanding. We still have a lot way to go, but um, I mean, I was like, you know, I studied engineering because that's what, no one ever told me, but I just imagined that was yeah. my path. Like I was good at math and physics. I loved creativity. Yeah. I loved art, but I was like, but that, you know, that's not for me at that time. I was like, that's not career. Yeah. I need to first focus on this. And it was only when I failed my third year of uni, I went back, I we've passed it and I completed my degree, but that was a wake up call to be like, Akash, I was so good at school, so good at everything. And I'm not enjoying this and I'm failing. Yeah. Do I want to now spend my life doing something I don't enjoy and I'm not even that good at, or do I just do what my heart is desiring? And, you know, I ended up working in beauty and then now I have a hair care brand. Like, I would never have imagined yeah. that. But I'm having a comfortable career, very good career, better probably than what I would have had yeah. in entrepreneur, in, in sorry, in engineering or finance. And that's it. Never look back. I mean, I think we all have had that feeling of being, or I definitely did at least being on the wrong path and, and it sits with you and you're kind of like, am I stagnant? What am I doing? Am I, you know, am I going down the wrong path? And now doing what I'm doing, I really genuinely feel like I'm on the right path and it, it's so much more freeing right there's so much more, more more joy and momentum in my life so yes i would just encourage people to take the leap 100 percent. yeah take the leap and also do whatever feels right for you not what everyone else tells you to do because in the day it's not their life it's your life and i i mean I, it sounds so cliche everyone says it but if you do what you enjoy in life and you're passionate about that kind of success money all that stuff ends up somehow working out i can't explain why but it does um, because you just will really from your heart work on it. Totally. And you get to write your own story, right? Like it's, it's one of those things where like, even for, for me, sometimes I'm like, Oh, should I have tried doing this when I was younger? And ultimately for me, this was the right path because I feel like I had a chance to get close to these founders and see the inner workings of the business. And so then I understood Oh, maybe it's not that it didn't feel so far out of bounds for me because I got close enough to it where I was like, oh, well, maybe I could do it too. Um, and I think if anyone out there is doing what I did, like being a number two, and I think I I was so, I felt very comfortable being a number two, but didn't feel comfortable being in the limelight, didn't feel comfortable telling my own story because I didn't know if anyone would care. And I would just say that I think all of these experiences ladder up into what you're meant to do and what you're meant to be. So as long as you're extracting that from the experience, I think you're you're going towards the right thing. What I love about what you've done in your journey is you've just really been so, I would say, innovative as well. So not only just from your products and stuff, but also you've launched this clean beauty summer school that I want you to explain a bit about to people and uh, I'm really excited because I'll be part of uh, this year's one. It's the second one, but I'm just telling people about it. Yeah. Well, I, first of all, thank you so much for being a part of it. I think we um, 
we're so grateful because really what makes the, the the whole program worth it is the community. Um, so last year when Black Lives Matter really came to a fever pitch um, and beauty brands were re- really being asked to kind of step up and pull up and talk about uh, the behind the scenes on things. Um, I received an email from uh, someone that said, hey, you know, Glossier is giving out grants. Are you giving out grants? And if so, um, can could, could I be considered? And at the time, I actually thought it was almost laughable because I had just applied for a, a small business loan. And I was like, wait, I, I don't have the money to, to give anyone money, even though I'm sure there are a lot of really well-deserving companies out there. Um, so then I thought like, well, what can I do? And I think one of the things that I can provide is because I have network um, and I have some access because of the fact that I have retail partners and et cetera, and I'm, I know other founders, I thought, well, what could I do is I could help people figure out how to learn from my mistakes and how to spend the money that they are able to use, right? Because I think that's almost just as beneficial as having the money in the first place. And so I took some time and I, I did a call with her and then I thought, well, how can I scale this? Um, and that was really how Clean Beauty Summer School was born. So we basically, last year we opened it up to specifically Black-owned beauty brands. We got over 300 applications within uh, two weeks. Um, I basically called on uh, 10, or myself and nine other uh, female founders specifically last year. Um, and we both taught classes as well as um, mentored. And this year we're doing the same thing, but and then there was pitch day at the end where you could win $10,000 in cash prizes and et cetera. So this year we've kind of ponied up even more. Um, what I found is that the, the classes really needed to be taught by industry experts. Um, and so we have a combination of founders and industry experts who are teaching classes. So it's anyone from, you know, uh, Christy Dash from, from Facebook is going to be teaching a class. Um, I wish I had connected with you earlier. I would have asked you to teach a class on digital. But we have all these people teaching classes. We also have mentors who are founders. And then in addition to that, at the end of it, we are going to be um, doing an, another pitch day. But this year, the prize is upwards of $50,000, $50, including um, not only cash, but also important resources like a legal retainer, retail sales support, and PR. And so I think the real thing here is the perspective of the incubator and of the program is coming from other founders like yourself, where we really know what it's like to be in it. And so the classes are crafted to speak to, um, like, what are the, we were even talking about trademarking earlier. We have a lawyer this time who's like, these are the top, like, 10 mistakes people make when launching a brand from a lawyer's point of view. Right. And these are like the definite like must do's. These are your priority lists. We have like a PR um Priya Rao from the Glossy is going to be teaching a class about how to pitch an editor. If you're if you want to be your own, you know, PR agency. And if you do look for a PR agency, what kind should you look for? But from the perspective of an editor, right? So I think it's um it, I'm excited to take the classes as well, frankly, because I think we're always learning. Um, but we just picked our our 10 finalists and we opened it up this year to BIPOC across the board. And then we also tried, I tried a lot harder to find teachers and mentors who were diverse as well. Um, so that's that's the program for this year, but I'm super excited about it. I mean, it's it's not only is it just incredible, what people I think haven't realized is, well, probably do realize, but I've, what I want to re- really reiterate is 
you came, a lot of brands, including myself as a brand founder, kind of we pulled up by just kind of giving a factual evidence of how many you know, diverse we have in our team or we give a donation. But you've created a separate business in a way. You've literally created a school from this, which takes a lot of effort, a lot of resources, a lot of time. But and I love how you just gone, you know, you had a solution initially, but you're like, what can I do further? How can I go a step beyond? And I think, honestly, I hope people really value that because you've literally are changing lives through this and it's been phenomenal. So oh, thank you. That's kind of you to say, but um, I'll be honest with you. I feel like I get a lot out of it too. So it's, it's a community that gets built that I get tapped into. I feel very inspired by these founders. And I think I had mentioned this to you earlier, but I think the other side benefit that I didn't even know I would enjoy so much is feeling much more bonded to the community of founders and the beauty industry that I'm a part of, right? Because it's encouraged these conversations that I would never have had with my my merchants or the Sephora marketing person or whatever around diversity and inclusion, which there just wasn't a place for before, right? Before all of this um, nobody talked about these kinds of things in a professional setting, right? So to know that genuinely people do care, they're willing to put their time and their effort in, I think is, has been hugely inspirational for me as, um, and it made, it makes me enjoy my community more. I think also sometimes people, they actually, I've personally become the beneficiary by doing good. Cause it's like, you love, you, you feed off that energy. So I completely understand yeah. it's like, it's like, it's always good when it's a two way streak where you benefit as well, because it empowers you to do more and, and feel that joy that you're giving. Yeah, for sure. And I really do hope that in all of this years from now, that the beauty industry will look very different. No, I'm certain of that. So whether we're talking about the products or we're talking about the the visuals or those types of things. Because again, as somebody who grew up in America as a minority, as an Asian American, I really did not feel like I saw myself in this image of aspiration and beauty and I didn't feel beautiful. And so I, I think, unfortunately for women, so much of the confidence and I, I just can't speak to being a man, that's all, but for women specifically, um, for me, so much of your confidence at a young age and ongoing is built around your ability to feel beautiful, to feel confident in the world. And if you don't see yourself in that imagery, it's hard to connect the dots and and tell yourself you're beautiful. And it's so important that you're speaking out about it because I think many people feel the same way, but don't understand those emotions sometimes or it comes and goes and it's so I, I think you know you're trying to normalize that this is okay to feel this way and I think speaking about it and making people feel you know especially through who you are and what you've done is there's always a, a brighter future and making the world better for the next generations to come which I think is so important so no, I really appreciate that well, one thing I want to ask is before we go into I have one or two more uh, questions before our fire round, but I do want to just ask about Tower Twenty Eight's future. So, what what what's in what's in store for for everyone who's going to be following your journey? So, we are looking at making more products, which I'm sure is not a big surprise. Um, we always try to look at. I think there's a lot of product in the world, so I don't necessarily think we just need to make more products for the sake of making more products. But I tend to look at it through the lens of: Are there products out there? That is there a space for products where people can't find something that is safe for sensitive skin? Is there a price point accessibility issue? And is this something that we could be really good at? So meaning like, is there, we still need to be able to offer really high performance 
product, right? Um, so that's that's sort of the lens that I look at it from. And we are launching more products this year, which I'm really, really excited about. Um, but uh, other than that, it's distribution. Um, so we're launching at Sephora at Kohl's later this year, which I think is a huge opportunity for us because of price point. And it just lends itself to the same mission I spoke about earlier, which is access and making our products available to more people. Um, and then in addition to that, it's just brand building, right? So we are still really nascent. We're very young in our journey. And I think just getting the word out and trying to build that brand awareness when we don't have um, a celebrity, we don't have any, you know, there's nothing we can just sort of turn on. Um, so it is just a very organic, it's the building box of, of business, right? So it's just trying to make sure that we are using our megaphone as much as we can, building a community and doing it in a really organic but um, strong way since we can't necessarily just buy it because we don't have, we're not funded that way. No, no, I agree. Well, I'm hoping the main true reason why I created this podcast is because I used to manage influencers and celebrities and stuff like uh, big brands. And I was always like, but the best ones are these founders, you know, um, also like my sister, myself, but generally I was like, why are these founders getting millions of followers? Because they're the ones who've got the most interesting stories and they've still got the most interesting journey to come in the, in the beauty space specifically with this podcast. And I'm hoping Amy that, you know, people will listen. Maybe this podcast will be, maybe you'll have no views, maybe have a lot of views. Let's see, but I'm hoping everyone will follow you. And therefore, you know, you become that, um, that oh. pioneer for, for the brand as well, more and more in the public eye as well, which you are, but I want people to, to recognize that. So let's see. Well, thank you so much for sharing your platform and for being part of that. No, at least I can do. Um, I have, I had a question about the pandemic because obviously it's been a quite a very, I, I say this in a, in a, you know, it's been very tough for many people. It has also been sometimes quite good for businesses and also personal growth and mindfulness as now taking away tower 28 as Amy how has it been like for you? Have you adopted a lot of more like, well, what's your routine like and how have you kind of powered through it? I have actually had a harder time um, creating routine than I would have liked, but I'm trying to do a good job of it. So what I would say is, um, you know, I had three employees up until um, October of last year and now we have six. And so before that, doing things like Asana and Slack and um, having regular meetings almost seemed silly because there just weren't that many of us and we were kind of all sitting in the same room. So the pandemic has really forced us to try to get more organized. And then I think in combination with that, growing the team and growing the brand has made it so that it's really been a forcing mechanism around discipline um, to try to create more process structure just and as you change, make sure everybody knows what their jobs are. Um, so that's probably the thing that I've been spending the most of my time on um, from a self-care perspective, if that's the right word. I am, I, we got a dog, we got a pandemic puppy, which has been great because it's forced me to just walk around more and go outside. Um, but it, it really, the balance thing is a tough one. I think, especially in pandemic when you're at home and there is no division between, I mean, this is my room and this is also my office, right? I don't have a desk because we don't have enough space in our house for one. So, um, especially with three kids, like they have the desks, right? So it's, it's been definitely a challenging one, but I'm also so grateful for this time because I feel like it's forced us to 
slow down, not have so much noise in terms of distractions socially, um, and be able to spend time together as a family too. Amazing. No, and I love the fact that you're open about the fact that it's okay to not have a routine because also I feel like it does disrupt the day and it makes it more exciting because otherwise we'll just be at home doing the same thing blindly each and every single day. I mean, I'm trying day. to, so don't get me wrong, some... I'm trying to create more routine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, but no, I'm the same. Like I, the thing is, it's like, it's important to have certain routines that are healthier, like adaptations, whether it's taking your, your matcha in the morning, your apple cider vinegar shot, da da da. But then, yeah, sometimes it's okay to let it go and let it go loose. <laughs> just be like, you know what, that's fine. I think just like having, having a lot of forgiveness. Yes, absolutely. I'm just trying to have a lot of forgiveness around myself too. Definitely, definitely. Um, so my last question before we go into the fire round, I asked this to all my guests on this podcast is, uh-huh. um, so TSA travels opening up and TSA is being a little bit stricter than usual. And they're saying, look, Amy, you can only take one Tower 28 product with you abroad. So I know it's such a hard thing to say one product, but what's that one go-to hero or your personal favorite product that everyone should should to know about? So I think we started this talking about my eczema and my sensitive skin issues. The one product that has really changed the game for me has been our SOS Daily Rescue Facial Spray. So because of that product, I am able to, I've never had such consistent skin. Not to say that I never get eczema anymore, but that if I do, it's controllable and I don't have to use steroids anymore, which is a huge game changer for me because I one, they're just not good for you. Right. And I think on an ongoing basis, you just don't, it's not an, it's not something I wanted to do. Um, so, and in addition to that, because it is antibacterial and anti-inflammatory, just because you said TSA, I do feel safer using that on an airplane when I'm looking for more antibacterial, especially with wearing the masks and everything. Um, it makes a difference for mask me. Amazing. Okay. So no, I actually saw that when I was buying and I don't know why I'm going to now get that one because I was looking at it and I was, didn't understand if I should, because you know, with me, I, I, I have a bit of a bit sensitive skin as well, but now you've, what you've explained, I'm like, this is the perfect product for me. So I'm so <laughs> excited to try it. That's so good. Um, no, so everyone should check it out. My personal favorite, which I have, so I'm going to get the SOS spray, but is the Super Dew highlighter. I mean, I use it just uh, to just sometimes just put it on my little uh like contour what's it called not highlighting a bit of a and i know uh-huh. you wear makeup but this one is my makeup go-to so love it it's already used you can see inside so oh <laughs> it's really just a dupe for that like glassy skin and the, the genesis for that product was really that i just didn't have that kind of skin you know like i don't have that glassy dewy skin naturally and so i wanted to find a way to dupe it but then also because I get dry flakes sometimes around my skin, I wanted something that would help like lay it down so I could put makeup on over. So that product's great because you can dab it and it will be really um, dewy. But if you, because it's made out of basically oils, if you really rub it, then it will absorb. And so and it'll moisturize too. Because I have a problem with it. I get under my eyes, um, under my eyebrows, a lot of dry skin. So I use this as well and it's perfect. Oh. Literally just, I don't have this issue. Oh anymore. yeah. So yeah. Oh. just on top of my eyebrow just in there so it's I love very, that <laughs> fun um cool so some fire round questions to end I, we could speak all day uh-huh. but um it's been an absolute pleasure <laughs> so I'm going to ask these questions and your first thing that comes to your head would love to know so what's another beauty brand that you are in love with I mean I have so Alison McNamara has a brand called Mara Beauty and I 
love her products. I have really dry skin, so she has a lot of oil-based products, and I I just love them. They're, it's been a huge game changer for me, especially since I, I haven't been able to use a lot of really active products previously because my skin was always so flary, but now that it's more, you know, I can count on it a little bit more. Um, I'm able to start dabbling and try like a little bit of retin-A over here and a little bit of vitamin C, but her products have been great for me. Amazing. Uh, what's a guilty pleasure of yours? I mean, I have so many guilty pleasures. <laughs> I feel like, um, I typically eat pretty clean. I would say like, I'm not an unhealthy eater, but I do like sweets. So even if it's like a healthy one, right. I, it doesn't mean that it's, doesn't have sugar and those types of things in it right so i i do like sweet i think we all do so you know I'm, I'm with you on that that's my guilty pleasure and i like to binge watch a good show yeah. sometimes that odd kardashian show doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt anyone does it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so totally no, I and you. i and i am i am definitely prone to like if i like something i'll just binge watch it so like bridgerton watch the whole thing you know like those types of things love it love it what are you currently reading or watching I'm actually reading a book called Untangled, mm -hmm. which is a book about preparing for, for a parenting, it's actually a parenting book to prepare for um, your daughters moving into adolescence. Wow. And it's interesting because it, it actually makes me think a lot about myself and about when I was a kid, like making that transition and how you're it's called untangled because it's basically the concept of how a, as a child grows up and becomes an adult and not adolescent and then an adult, they're untangling from you and learning their mm. own identity and figuring out uh, they're testing boundaries and they're figuring out who they are in the world. Um, and I mean, I, I don't know about you, but even at 40 plus years for me, I feel like I'm just starting to figure out who I am. So it's, it's an interesting read. Love that. No, uh, I love uh, asking that question to everyone because everyone's got such different books or, or stuff that they're doing. And it's so nice to see uh, and for our listeners to also write these down because these are definitely worth reading. What's your favorite social media platform right now? I would say it's still Instagram. I definitely um, feel like we've developed a community on Instagram. And so it's now become, you know, a lot of these influencers we work with, celebrity makeup artists have become friends. And so it's nice to yeah. see what they're doing, check in with them. Um, and even then, like my, my, my friends that have been friends forever, I think that's kind of where most people are. And it gives you a sense of connectedness without um, seeing them, which I think is really important now. Last question. If you weren't a beauty entrepreneur, what do you think you would be? So this is really a weird answer, but it's true. I really wanted to be a voiceover actor when I was younger. And I even took, when I was working at Smashbox, I even <laughs> took classes for it because I thought I would be, I, I have no interest in being famous, but I always thought it would be so fun to be like on a cartoon character or something like that. And people, I, my voice now has been my voice since I was young. And people have always said, you would make a great like prepubescent boy. <laughs> So I always thought it would be really fun to be a, like a, a character voice. Well, you know, what? never say never. You never know what you'll end up doing. But also, I kind of love the fact that with, with building a beauty brand, which is actually very interesting, is there's always ways to do your like your hidden 
uh, talent or hidden uh, hobbies and make them intertwine <laughs> with your beauty brand. Maybe you'll create a beauty animation and you'll be the, the voiceover of your own Tower 28 beauty animation. Who knows? Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> Mm, I'll pitch the team. You know, <laughs> options. And then I get credit. Um, well done. <laughs> so, well, Amy, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you. Your journey has been truly one of the most inspirational I've heard. And I'm just now, I can't wait to hopefully come and meet you in person in California. And when you're in London, Please. you have to come over. Um, but where can everyone find you and Tower 28 on social, online? Where's the best places? So in, we actually were able to get the same handle everywhere. So whether we're talking about Twitter, Instagram, um, Clubhouse, etc., it's at Tower 28 Beauty. Um, and then my own personal is at Amy Liu, A-M-Y-L-I-U 47. And our website is Tower28Beauty.com. And we're sold at Sephora, um, U.S. and Canada, Revolve, internationally, credo online and in stores and soon to be launching at cult and sephora at Colt. well guys please make sure to follow amy and tower 28 you won't be disappointed and please check out their products because i'm obsessed and i know you will be too so thank you so much amy for your time really appreciative and yeah can't wait to hopefully meet in person when it's safe to travel thank you so much for having me so fun hope you enjoyed this episode of founded beauty as much as i had making it and if you did please share it with a friend who you think will love it too founded beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as apple Podcasts, spotify amazon music podcast the acast app and many more and i'm also very proud to be part of the acast creator network so be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop we really appreciate every single follow listen share and review it truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fable of Maine goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founds Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.